got a real good feeling. You're listening to the Coffee and Crypto Podcast with Crypto Jeb, bringing you the best and most updated news about cryptocurrency. Tune in every morning at 9.30 a.m. Eastern to watch this podcast live on our YouTube channel. Hey guys, what's going on? Jeb here, and in today's video, we are going to be talking about the massive dump that we saw happen on Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies over the weekend. As you guys probably know, Bitcoin collapsed from where it was sitting around $48,000 yesterday to where it is right now at $43,600. And there's quite a bit of speculation in the market that that might have something to do with the Chinese housing company named Evergrande. They, in fact, are in charge of nearly $300 billion worth of real estate debt, making up about 4% of the Chinese real estate economy and they have seen a massive crash in their stock price and it seems like they might be about to default on some of their debt. Many analysts are asking is this the same Lehman Brothers moment that we saw in 2008 when Lehman Brothers went bankrupt as a result of the subprime uh, and led to the subprime mortgage crisis. Are we seeing the same thing happen in China? Is this the beginning of a massive financial unraveling? We're going to talk about all of that and more and how it affects Bitcoin in today's episode of Coffee and Crypto. This is the one-stop shop to learn everything you need to know about technical analysis, get up to date on what the markets are doing. So make sure to hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. I am joined as always by my co-host TA Tim. How you doing, Tim? Doing good. I'm doing good. Is my title fixed yet, Smee? When have when have I when have I no. <laughs> well, no. I'm here. And I'm because, like I said, I can ass, only though. do it at my house. And when I get home, I'm like, ah, time to get naked. So I don't do it. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay. Well, there you go. We're also joined, as always, by Smay, who apparently likes to get naked. Yeah. I mean, look, it's a great way to unwind. It's a great way to, you know, <laughs> like, you know, after working a long day, I just want to get naked. So, uh, and also, hey, can't blame. Look at, look, how about those mountaineers, baby? That's West what I'm Virginia. Gonna... I like your beanie. That's Smay. right. That's right. I Anyways. like your beanie, Smay. Anyways, how about that UFL? Alabama game. That, oh, was, that was that was something. That, that was, was rough. Something no, we were literally five minutes, five miles from the swamp. That was a rough game. No, it was good. I liked it. But anyways, let me like go ahead too. and uh, shout out some people real quick. Do it. I want to shout out Matt C. Let's I want to shout out Tommy Lou. Let's go Tommy Lou. I want to shout out Edward Hess. I like you guys. You guys' names are on the trophy and you, where they rightly, rightfully deserve to be. Um, Why are their names on the trophy, Smack? Because they are grandmasters. They are grandmasters. They have joined the Crypto Jeb membership, the Jebi Knights. They are gr Jebi grandmasters. You can hit that join button down below if you want to help to support this channel. But let's go ahead and jump onto the Bitcoin chart. We need to talk about Bitcoin's price action because as you guys know, there's been a big drop. Let's do a bit of an overview and then we'll start looking at the technicals. Over the last 48 hours, Bitcoin has collapsed from $48,800 all the way down 12% over the last 48 hours to a local low that was set just an hour ago at 42,500. Now, Tom Crown, who I was on around the blockchain with a couple of weeks ago, make sure to go and subscribe to his channel, pointed out something really, really cool, and that is this uptrending level of support right here. He pointed this out on ATB. Like I said, go subscribe to Tom Crown. We're probably going to have him on the channel here pretty soon. Actually, not probably. We are going to have him on the channel pretty soon. But we talked about this uptrending level of support right here. This uptrending level of support on Bitcoin is constituted by these highs right over here in May and June, and then also this high right here in late July, moving on into August, and then we also set a double bottom here on this level. But over the last couple of days, in fact, just over the last couple of hours, we have come back down to test this level of support again. We talked about this level of support on the channel about a week ago. Tom brought this to my attention on ATB about three weeks ago, and right now... 
we're watching Bitcoin uh, pull back down to this level. So the question on everyone's mind is, will we be able to support, uh, will we be able to maintain support at this level? Are we going to bounce or are we going to collapse through this? So let's dive into our technical analysis. You guys know how we like to do this. We like to start with our bullish, move into our bearish, and then draw some conclusions. The very first thing to bring to your attention on Bitcoin is the simple fact that there is still bullish RSI divergence. And this is a big deal, guys. I don't want to understate how important this bullish RSI divergence is. The reason that this is so important, and this is kind of on a knife's edge right now, the reason that this is so important is because bullish RSI divergence is very rarely ignored, and the strength of the bullish RSI divergence is largely determined by the length of the bullish RSI divergence. What am I talking about for anyone who's newer to charting? We have an uptrending level of support right here on the daily chart for Bitcoin. We have a downtrending level of support right here on the RSI. That is what is known as classical bullish RSI divergence. You don't need to know what every single one of those words mean. You just need to know that it's showing up on the chart and it's bullish and it indicates we're going to move to the upside. However, if we start to go into a downtrend on the daily chart price action by having a low close below 42,600, which we're sitting at 43,700 right now. If we see a low, then what we will happen uh, what will happen is that instead of being in an uptrend, we will be in a downtrend and we'll lose the RSI divergence. So, what I'm essentially saying here is that there's an extremely bullish chart formation called bullish uh, classical bullish RSI divergence. If we pull back another $1,000 or so, we lose our biggest proponent for upwards momentum. So keep that in mind. That is something that we absolutely want to make sure doesn't happen. We're going to be keeping a close eye on that. Another thing to look at here is that Bitcoin is currently sitting on the bottom of the Bollinger Bands. Remember, we've talked about many times how Bollinger Bands are cyclical indicators you typically see them move from a period of very high volatility to a period of very low volatility, and then they reverse. Right now, we are in expansion phase. We are seeing Bollinger Bands widen, and we're seeing more volatility. That is a good thing, so make sure you look at that. That is giving us strong support. Now, down on the four-hourly chart, there are some very interesting chart formations going on indeed. Take a look at this. On our RSI down on the four-hourly chart, we pulled all the way back down to 25 so essentially what this means is that if you're looking to buy the market, now's probably a pretty good time with one caveat. If you're going to be buying the market and longing, make sure you have a very conservative stop loss somewhere above $42,500 because we could break this support. But if you are confident after our technical analysis that we're going to maintain this support, then now would not be a bad time to buy. Why? Because when you're buying, you want to get a good discount. You don't want to buy a television at $1,000 if you can get it at Black Friday for $500, right? You want to do the same thing when you're doing your charting. The RSI is sitting down at 24. That's a much better deal than if it were sitting at 70. On the flip side, if you were to short the market, you wouldn't want to short when we're down here right now. You would want to short when we're sitting up at 60, 70, 80 because again, you want to get a good deal. Nevertheless, another thing to look at here is the fact that there is a hammer formation showing up on the daily, on the four hourly chart for Bitcoin. There's a very, very, very small candle body right now that albeit has not closed, but we have a very long lower shadow. That is indicative at least at the moment, that the bulls have held this uptrending level of support. The bears tried to push us down there, but they failed. That's why we see that long wick. So that is a very good sign. One other thing to talk about is the T-sequential. We actually saw a nine flash on TD-sequential happen over midnight, and we have not yet bounced. So this is another reason to believe that we're going to see a four-hour recovery down here on this chart. Now, looking down to the one hourly chart, there are some even more interesting things, namely the exact same indicators. TD sequential flashed at 2 a.m. this morning on the hourly chart. We are incredibly overextended. Another reason to believe we're going to go through a short-term recovery and take a look at the RSI. We plummeted all the way down to 18. 
So for anyone who's in the chat saying, Jeb, why are you calling this a crash? That's why I'm calling it a crash. Whenever something gets down to 18 on the RSI, that's a crash, and that's what we're seeing happen. So I'd like to see that reverse, but just the same way as we saw on the four-hourly chart, there was a hammer that showed up down here. Notice a small candle body, long lower shadow, a small upper shadow. That is a hammer. That is a bottoming technical. Uh, that is a bottoming candlestick formation. So that's a very good sign. One other thing to point out here, and then we'll move on to our bearish, is that we are on the very bottom end of the Bollinger Bands on the hourly chart, and we are riding the bottom of them. That is indicative that we're going to recover. So we're going to move on to the bearish here in a second, but I want to tell you basically what our conclusions from that bullish technical analysis is. Here's what it looks like. There is long-term support beneath us sitting at $43,500. That long-term support needs to hold because if it doesn't, then we're going to be falling to levels of support far beneath it, probably around $40,000. We're going to talk about that in a second. And also, as we saw from our one-hour and our four-hourly chart technical analysis, we are likely to maintain $43,000, $43,500 where our uptrending level of support is, and we're probably going to go through a bounce over the next 12 to 24 hours, likely up into the $44,000 to $45,000 region. So that's what we're seeing right now on our bullish. Before I move on, Tim, are there any good are there any uh, questions in chat that are, are pertinent to that? And do you have anything to add to that analysis? No, I I don't know if I have anything to add yet. I, there's there's something bearish that I didn't put in the TA because it's kind of playing. Well, it's not really TA. It's actually an interesting note about the RSI divergence on the four hourly chart. Yep. Also on the hourly, but we'll get there when we talk about the bearish news. As far as far as the bullish, there's a lot of good. A lot of good things happening on the chart that would make me feel like, okay, we potentially have already hit the bottom of this correction. We're, we have, you know, we can go back up from here on out. The problem is, is there's still some things to look at. Even if we see what Jeb just talked about, there's a lot of things showing that we could have a small little bounce. That doesn't necessarily mean the price action to the downside is done. And I hate to say that because I'm just like you guys. I want this price to go up. I, I still think we will be hitting 100K at least before a, cur before a bear market. But that doesn't mean that that there's not a little bit more downside to go. Yeah, absolutely. And so, guys, what I'm pointing out here is that there is strong support beneath us. However, as we're about to talk about, it's not guaranteed that that is going to hold. So let's go ahead and jump back onto the chart. Before we jump back into the TA, though, let's make sure that you guys smash those likes. We already have 3,200 people watching. Thank you very much for tuning in to the number one analysis channel on YouTube for cryptocurrency markets. So make sure to hit that like button if you haven't already. I know we can get to 1,500 likes here in the next couple of minutes. Let's jump back out to the daily chart because there are some bearish technicals that we need to look at. Namely, let's look at the VPVR. The VPVR gives us an idea of where our support is going to reside. You can see that there is a big deficit of support sitting right here in between $40,000 and $44,000. That is because there has not been much trading historically in this region. So the VPVR, the volume profile of the visible range, is telling us we don't have much support in this region, which basically means the last final stop that we have before $40,000 is our uptrending level of support that we are currently sitting above at 43.7. That's what we were talking about a second ago. But let's go ahead and draw our level of support that is beneath us. It's right here. It's roughly $40,500. So here's the problem. If we do manage to break below 43700 the only thing beneath us for hardly for the next like $3,000 is about $40,500. I'll also draw a level at $40,000 simply because it is a big even. Now, there is one thing that I want to bring to your attention, and that is the fact that we're sitting on top of the 20 weekly exponential moving average. You can see it right here on the weekly chart. This is very strong. This is a good level of support, and we want this to hold. However, 
The problem is I don't know if it's going to. You see that we broke beneath it back in May, and we have not been above it for very long. In fact, the time that we have been above it, we've been forming this rounding top, and that's not necessarily a good sign. Another thing out here on the weekly chart for the candlestick formations, there is a bearish engulfing candlestick formation on the weekly chart between the weeks of August the 30th and the week of September the 6th. Following that, we have a red-green-red formation that I show you guys all the time. Whenever you see a red-green-red formation, that's just a red candlestick followed by a non-engulfing green candlestick followed by a red engulfing candlestick. These two candlestick formations on top of each other, I need to come up with a fancy name for it. I've never seen anybody name this candlestick formation. I see it, and it is a very bearish sign. It doesn't give me a lot of confidence that we're going to hold $43,700. So how does that play into the analysis I was talking about a second ago? Let's take a second and discuss that. I think we're going to see a shorter-term rally off of $43,700. I think that's going to take, uh, it's going to last probably 12 to 48 hours, maybe 12 to 24 hours, somewhere in there. However, I'm going to be honest with you, I don't think $43,000. $3,700 is going to hold. At this point, I do think $40,000 is in the cards. So let's go ahead and look at some other things here. Namely, if we look at our volume, we can see that there's been a large uptick in volume over the last 24 hours. This is as a result of this major correction, and that does val uh, validate the correction that we've gone through. During the same time, we've fallen below the 20 daily exponential moving average, which we were looking at last week. We want to make sure that we hold above the 20 daily exponential moving average because it is a very important trend indicator. The fact that we pulled back below it is not a good sign at all. Speaking of bad signs, let's take a look at one of my favorite indicators in technical analysis on Bitcoin. You notice this red signal right here that says strong. That is what is known as a sell signal on Lux Algo Premium. Lux Algo, if you guys don't know, is one of my favorite indicators. It's in my top five indicators. indicators. It's in my analysis tool belt. And I look at it every single day on the cryptocurrency markets because I want to make sure that it's not flashing something. And if it is, I need to be aware of it. In this case, we have seen the first sell signal since May of 2021. Take a look at what happened the last time this indicator flashed sell. The last time this indicator flashed sell, the cryptocurrency markets fell 50% in 10 days. Now, the strong sell signal on Lux Algo is obviously not always going to be followed by such massive corrections, but you can see it genuinely does give you a good idea of when a correction is happening. If you guys want to sign up for Lux Algo, like I said, it's an indicator I am recommending from personal use. I use it every single day, and I do it for a good reason. Check the link down below. We have a 20% off coupon code if you would like to get it. It is worth every single penny. But the point here is there is a strong sell signal showing up on Lux Algo, and take a look here at what happened on Ethereum. We saw a sell signal. We saw a sell signal at the top. Boom. We saw a correction. Sell signal here. Sell signal there. Boom. Correction. It's an indicator you want to listen to. We've been looking to see if it was going to happen for the last two weeks. Ever since the ever since the uh, Black Swan event we saw on September the 7th when El Salvador officially adopted Bitcoin. I think that there was a lot of manipulation there that caused a long squeeze. I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole right now. The point is, I've been looking for a sell signal ever since then, and it has now occurred. So that is definitely not a good sign. One of the things I also want to look at shows up down here on the four-hourly chart. As we can see on the four-hourly chart, 
the red histogram for Bitcoin over US dollars is ridiculous right now. Take a look at how strong we are, uh, uh, just how very bearish we are on the four hourly chart. We have not seen this rapid histogram increase ever since September the 7th when we saw that black swan event and we saw that giant crash. And frankly, ever since then, I don't know if we have ever seen the histogram drop this quickly in the history of Bitcoin. It probably has happened. I can't, I can't validate that. But the point is, there has been a giant correction very, very quickly on the histogram down here on the four hourly chart MACD. Definitely not instilling a whole lot of confidence in me. However, I do still think that there's going to be a short-term recovery on the four-hourly chart. So let's go ahead and move into our conclusions now. What does all of this mean for the future of Bitcoin? Where is Bitcoin really going next? In my opinion, the bears have a lot of momentum, and they're probably going to drive us below $43,500, which is where our current support is. However, there are quite a there are quite a large number of technicals showing that there's probably going to be a bounce on the daily chart. Excuse me, on the one-hour and four-hourly chart over the next 12 to 48 hours. I don't think that's going to last. I think that's going to be a dead cat bounce if it happens at all. And I think we are going to be correcting down to that support that we drew right around 40 to 40 and a half thousand dollars. I'd love to hear what your opinion is on that in the in the comments, though. Tell me in the chat up, down or sideways. May, are you able to put a poll over there? Uh, no, you're not. OK, well, I will do it here in just a second when we go to full screen. I would like to know, is Bitcoin going to go up? Or is Bitcoin going to go down? I want to hear your takes on that. Tim, what is your take? Where do you think Bitcoin is going to be heading? Do you agree that there's going to be a dead cap bounce over the next two days followed yeah. by a crash? Or do you think we're going to bounce and rally from here? So so I'm just going to be very quick, just letting you guys know what I think. I, think. I actually think there's a lot of bullish sentiment on the daily chart. Uh, I think that there is a lot of, or actually, let me let me back up. There's actually bear. Sorry, I misspoke. Bearish sentiment on the bullet on the daily chart, but there's actually some bullish sentiment on both the four hourly and the hourly, which makes me think that, as Jeb was talking about, that level of ascending support that used to be resistance, I think we're going to utilize it to recover slightly before a, a bigger drop. Here is the question, though. Are we going to be dropping to potentially where we have uh, support at 42? I, I mean, what I had here is 42,160, according to the VPVR. That's actually a really good signal. Even you know a long time ago, we talked about that being a key level, that 42, between 42,000 and 42. Two five, uh, which interestingly we had a wick touch forty two five, so that's pretty. Uh, I think that's an indication of that's coming back. I don't think that's an indication of oh we've hit the bottom. I actually think that's an indication of testing. Hey, this is a good spot. We're probably gonna get back down to that level. Here's the question. You know, the Fibonacci retracement level would put us down to about thirty eight thousand. Let me get that note exactly. I think it said. Thirty-eight thousand four hundred. Yep, I have it right here. If there's you guys actually, want to show I, I even doing some research this morning. There's a couple technical analysts who are predicting that level. Now, whether or not they're using Fibonacci retracement or whether they're using something else, I'm not 100 certain. But here's the thing: that is a possibility. In reality, though, I know Jeb just said forty to forty. Point five. Yeah. Okay. That's the first level. I completely agree with you. There is a there. The Fibonacci golden pocket is sitting at thirty-eight thousand four hundred. I. I think that again, with with the combination of what we have seen in recent manipulation, also what we have seen with the uh, with what we just saw, we're going to talk about uh, Evergrande. What is what's it called? Ever Evergrande. Evergrande. Mm -hmm. How's that? Evergrande. Excuse me. Evergrande. Yes. Did we spell it wrong in the title? I think we did. <laughs> that's nice. my, that's completely on me. Evergrande. 
No, it, which, there is an E. I'm just missing an N. Can you fix that? It's supposed to be an N there after now. the A. It's there. Oh, it's, cool. I don't know if we fixed it or what. I, I thought I read it, read it as Evergrade earlier. Here's the thing. What I wanted to talk about, and, I, and we didn't we we didn't talk about it on the bearish stuff, is if you go to the four-hourly chart RSI. Jeva, can you do that? Uh, or are I you cannot. in the middle? I am actually okay. fixing the title, so you go yeah, ahead. Yeah. Yeah. All right, I so you guys are just have to bear with me. Bear with me, and you're not able to see the chart as I talk about this. So I don't usually do too much TA on the weekends. Sometimes on Saturday I do a little bit, but oh, this weekend I did not because those are my days to rest. Before any of this news came out in China, what I see if I had been doing TA Saturday morning was we had created bearish RSI divergence on the four hourly chart. That was before any major drop. That was actually showing, hey, we have a slight correction I'm showing in it price. Now. Oh, you are? Okay, yep. sweet. When you pair that with this news breaking out, as we've discussed before, this is just my take. You can agree or disagree with it, but this is what I believe. I think that the TA showed that there was a needed small correction back in May when we had that May crash. Yep. But I think that people who wanted to see that price go down so they could buy in, so the, the composite man used the FUD, used the TA, and said, all right, this is the justification to potentially hide ourselves so we can crash this market down to get a, a good buy level. Last, was it, two weeks ago, week and a half ago, when we saw this, you know, the 18% dump, there was almost no FUD whatsoever. They kind of had El Salvador going right then, there's a couple other things, but there was really actually no reason for a dump, so that was just blatant manipulation. And then even this, I think that the Evergrande, I think that that's a causing and leading into this price dump, but I still think this is a level of manipulation that people still want to buy Bitcoin at a low level, which is why, uh, you know, agree or disagree, I still think Bitcoin is gonna be hitting 100,000 before we see a, a true bear market. Agreed. And the reason why is because we constantly see these things happen very quickly. I was I was asking you know Jeb about this earlier, and I know you know the Evergrande and, and the housing market in China has a lot to do with the stock market. We get we we can kind of chase some mice and say that you know at the end of the day the stock market going down is not good for Bitcoin. But at the same time, I just do not think that we have shook out the uh, well, and, and we maybe don't ever will. But we have still not fully shook out the fact that whales still want to accumulate a lot more Bitcoin. In institutions still want to accumulate a lot more Bitcoin, and they are forcing this price to go down so that they can get the amount they want before they finally allow it to go ahead and go up. Because there is so much bullish fundamental uh, 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 fundamental news on Bitcoin. There is still so much bullish happening. So I believe personally that I don't even think we're gonna to touch the 38. I think that we're gonna get closer to that 42,000 flat. You know, we could, and I didn't hear, I didn't look at the charts and see anything about the 40,000, 40,500, maybe get there. I don't believe we're going below 40,000, uh, but that's, you know, it is a possibility. But I think that I think that 42 level is a strong level of support. I think there's a lot of bulls there waiting for it to get there so they can buy. And those bulls are not just retail investors. Those are whales and institutions. And once we hit that level, there will be another trampoline effect. But then again, you know, we shall see because I did not think that, I did not think that we were going to hit our heads on this weekend, 40, uh, 49,000. I thought we were going to be able to break through 50. Uh, so clearly the Bears had some work. They did some work over the weekend. And uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But I, my prediction is I think we're going to see 42,000 area bounce. So here's the deal, guys. There's a short-term correction going on that's been lasting for the last two weeks. 
if you drop a one in chat if you've never actually experienced a crypto bear market. We're not in a bear market right now. Tell me if you were here during 2018. Drop a one in chat if you were here during 2018 or during the 2013-14, uh, the 2014-15 bear market. We were running this channel. We started this channel a month and a day before the all-time high of $20,000 in December of 2017. The first video on this channel went up November 16, 2017. This entire channel was built during the cryptocurrency bear market of 2018 and early 2019. We have seen nothing similar to that. The amount of people that are still, for example, look at this stream. There's 4,700 people watching. The biggest stream in crypto, like of the biggest channels in crypto in mid-2018 would have died to get, they would have killed to get 4,700 people watching. The, the, you got, the amount of interest and excitement that is in cryptocurrency right now compared to what a bear market looks like is unparalleled. There is so much interest in this space right now. What that, does that mean? Think about when you have a spring or a slinky or something and you start compressing it and compacting it and pushing it closer and closer together. What happens? Eventually, you're going to get tired and that spring's going to let out all of that energy. That's what's going on right now. How many people are in cryptocurrency right now that weren't here three years ago and how many of them are staying? A very large number of them. By the way, how many of them are institutions? A lot of them. There is so much interest in the cryptocurrency space right now. It's not even funny. So if you see the price action dropping a little bit, do not sell your Bitcoin. Do not get worried about the price crashing. Look for buying opportunities. You are going to be glad in the next 10 years. That is not financial advice. It is just my opinion, but that's what you came here for. With that said, let's go ahead and talk a little bit about September's. I was wrong. Hands up. I like to tell you guys when I'm wrong because whenever it happens, I believe that there's three things that a man ought to do when he is wrong. Number one, admit it. Number two, say this is why I was wrong. Number three, say this is what I learned. So here's where I was wrong. I didn't think that September was going to be a bearish month for crypto. Why? Because all the charts were saying, hey, we're going to keep going to the upside. The fundamentals were saying, hey, we're going to keep going to the upside. And then September the 7th happened. To be honest and to be fair to myself, I did think that September was not going to be a bearish month starting uh, I said that before September the 7th when we had that big manipulated crash. However, it did occur. As you guys likely know by now, the history of Septembers are pretty bearish. There is a trend in cryptocurrency markets that Septembers are not very bullish for cryptocurrency. Notice here in September of 2017. I remember this. This is when Hurricane Irma came through Florida and I was out of power for 10 days. The cryptocurrency markets dropped from $5,000 to $3,000. I'd been in crypto for two months when that happened. September was not a great month in 2017. In 2016, it wasn't a great month either. We were trading sideways, but we didn't see a massive crash. Also, over here in September of 2013, we didn't see a giant dump, but we certainly didn't see a lot of bullishness. Bitcoin dropped from $130. Oh, man, I wish I could get Bitcoin $130 down to $115, and then we collapsed in the beginning of October. But you know what happened following those fateful Septembers? The quarter four... October, November, December, ended up being a phenomenal quarter. In fact, it makes a lot of sense because if you look at the if you look at the history of e-commerce over the last 20 years, that's selling things online. That's what Shopify and Amazon and you know most of Walmart do nowadays. E-commerce, it's commerce online. E-commerce has its best best quarter by far in quarter four. The best quarter, hands down, for some companies, a half of their revenue is generated in that one quarter of the year. And we've also seen the same trend play out in cryptocurrency markets. For the last two bull markets, quarter four has been when the blow-off top happened. For example, October the 13th, we started a rally on Bitcoin. From $100, we would rally over 60 days, 1,000% to the 30th of November when we topped out at $1,200. Moving forward here, we can also see 
that's starting at the bottom here on September the 14th in 2017, we would rally 600% in 93 days from $3,000 to $20,000. Now what we are seeing is that it turns out it was true. It turns out September was to be a bearish month for Bitcoin. Now, in those cases, I think that was a technical, um, not coincidence, but a technical trend that we saw happen. In this case, I firmly believe that there were people trying to make El Salvador look bad and sold the crap out of the market so they could buy more in. I completely agree with Tam, and I agree with a lot of the people in the space that would say, hey, there was manipulation that took place earlier on this month. Nevertheless, that's not an excuse. That's just me saying, uh, that's me giving you some, uh, giving you guys some of the context of what's going on here. The fact of the matter is, it doesn't look like September is going to be a very bullish month for Bitcoin. What I do think is going to happen is I think we're going to follow the exact same trend that we followed last two bull markets. I think that the third, excuse me, the fourth quarter of 20. 21 is going to be very bullish. Now, I don't know if we're going to have an explosive run, a thousand or 600% like we saw last time, but I do think in general, quarter four is going to be pretty bullish for Bitcoin. Take a look at the last quarter four of Bitcoin. Let's look from uh, October the 1st all the way through the end of the year. Guess what happened? 262% in the span of 90 days. I think we're going to see something similar happen here. Now, I don't necessarily think we're going to go 262%, but I do think we're going to be rallying up towards all-time high and maybe even breaking it before the end of the year. I think we're going to see a massive rally moving on into Christmas, and we're going to get a big old Christmas present. I think we're going to have a very bullish September based on the history of Septembers. Tim, I want to ask you your opinion on this. It's very important that we study the past because if we don't study the past, we're doomed to repeat it. That's something that I learned in middle school and it has served me very well. It's the reason why I love studying Roman history and, you know, the, the emperors of Rome and studying, um, you know, the, the, the Middle Ages. There's so many things about history that I really, really enjoy studying. And one of them are historical trends. That's why I enjoy technical analysis so much. How valid, Tim, are these trends of September crashes and quarter four rallies? Is that something that is applicable here? Or is this a coincidence? Do we not have enough data since it's only really happened twice? So the thing to remember is that a lot of people look awesome. at history. And the yep. history, so, so the thing about history is if you do not study your history, if you're not aware of history, you are doomed to repeat it. When you study your history and you make corrections based off of it, that's when you don't repeat it. So I believe that the whole thing is, man, what are we doing with the history that we've seen with these Septembers? And I wanna use this example specific, specifically. What are we doing with that information and how are we operating? I do not think necessarily uh, that it's just because we've had historically bad Septembers that this had to happen. I think that, you know, especially with what we've seen the last couple of weeks, I think there's a lot of manipulation in play too. But the whole thing is if we do not go back and study Septembers, if we do not go back and study months and, and actions that we see consistency, especially if we've seen them happen on several occasions, we have to be aware so that we respond differently. Yep. So we're not surprised by it because that is the, tr that is the true problem. That is where the composite man, when I saw someone in chat say, who is they, when Tim keeps saying they, the composite man, the whales, the this institutions, they are trying to count on the fact that retail investors do not know what they're talking about. They haven't studied their history. They don't know what to expect and what's coming. It's when we know it's coming. It's when we've studied our history that potentially that's when we can see true change. And maybe this September wasn't wasn't the right one. Maybe this will be another bearish September in the long run. We still have 10 days left, so let's not, there's no, we haven't finished. We don't know yet if September was completely bearish or if it's gonna be bullish. But let's say it is. That doesn't guarantee me that next year, 
September of 2022 automatically is going to be bearish because again, the more we study our history, that's the way we change our history. Uh, when we ignore it, that's when we see it happen again and again and again and again. Yeah, absolutely. And guys, you got to remember what the definition of technical analysis is. It's actually the definition of not technical analysis. It's the definition of any analysis. It is studying historical trends so that we can use that information to figure out what might happen in the future. That's pretty much all it is. If you've, gain, if you've gone to uh, college algebra, then you probably studied the concept of extrapolation, taking previous data sets, predicting what's gonna happen in the future by extending the trend into the future. That's what technical analysis is. Technic that's what analysis is. Technical analysis is looking at technical indicators and chart formations on a price action chart like this and trying to figure out what the future holds. So in my opinion, the future is very bright for Bitcoin. I think we have every reason to believe that based on our fundamentals. But of course, there are factors such as manipulation and a shorter term correction in play. With that all said, let's go ahead and move to the coup de grace of today's show because I know you guys have been waiting for us to talk about Evergrande. Evergrande. The Chinese housing developer. Let's go ahead and talk about them really, really quickly. And then we will talk a little bit about the Federal Reserve. I know you guys are curious about uh, quantitative easing being relaxed and different things like that. But let's go ahead and talk briefly about the Chinese developer Evergrande and their debt crunch and what it means for the U.S. investor. I want to take a couple of quotes here from this article. Number one, Evergrande fell more than 10% in Hong Kong earlier today, taking the year-to-year -year date drop of 80 Two, excuse me, 85% on, on concerns the cash-strapped property giant might default on $83.5 million in interest payments due this Thursday, which is this Thursday, i.e. three days from now. Some observers have called the Evergrande crisis China's Lehman moment. Now, if you don't know what the Lehman moment is, they're referring to when they say that the Lehman Brothers... And uh, if you've ever watched the movie The Big Short, then that has a lot to do with that. There was something that happened in the U.S. Um, mortgage world called subprime mortgages. It came from Australia. It was the uh, pick your payment, whatever you want to call it, subprime mortgages, inverse, mor inverse amortization, all these things. Essentially what happened is the banks got a little bit too excited with loaning money, and they came up with all these different programs. Like I said, uh, in, uh, inverse amortization, and uh, the, it, it, it led to things called subprime mortgages. Essentially what it meant is that people that never should have gotten a certain loan, never got a certain loan. You would have something called inverse amortization being one of these where uh, your payment would be flipped and instead of your payment going down and your principal going up and your interest going down, it would switch and then there'd be a balloon payment after four years and then boom, guess what? Five years later, the payment goes up and now you bought a $750,000 home when you could only afford a $300,000 home and the banks... <laughs> Definitely did not do very well for that. We saw the housing bubble burst. The rest is history. You know what happened in the 2008 financial crisis if you're barely any older than I am. However, the problem there is that in America, we actually learned our lesson to a certain extent. There are a lot of regulations that are put on banks that stop that from happening. It's a lot harder to get a mortgage nowadays than it was 15 years ago when the subprime mortgage bubble was building. However, that same crisis that taught us those lessons has not occurred in China. In fact, one of the issues that China has is that China is very difficult to find investment. It's very difficult for a private citizen to invest in things. It's very difficult for them to invest in the stock market. It's very difficult for them to invest in a lot of things. And there's also a cultural appetite in China for having multiple homes. In fact, there are a lot of people coming from China. I'm not saying this looking from the outside. I'm quoting people that live in China that it's incredibly difficult to get married in China if you only have one house. It's actually a lot easier to get married in China if you have two houses because it's a sign of prestige and success. The problem is what that ends up doing is it's a double whammy. All these young men are spending so much money on homes that one, they might never live in, and two, they can't afford. 
because they, and also that compounds with the fact that there's hardly anywhere else to invest because the Chinese stock market is such a mess and because their currency is so debased. So all this money gets flowed, uh, flows into the Chinese housing market. Well, the problem with that is you basically build the entire economy on one sector. It's not spread out. There's far more money per capita in the Chinese housing market and in the Chinese real estate market than there is in the American real estate market. The American real estate market is much more built on things like uh, the, the stock market on now cryptocurrencies we're moving into. That's not the case in China. They're over leveraged on home ownership and they're over leveraged on development. And that's what we're seeing happen right here. Evergrande, the Shenzhen based company is facing a default on its debt burden of roughly $300 billion. The crisis has echoes to the Lehman Brothers bankruptcy, which marked its 13th anniversary last week, a development that made at the time uh, a development at the time that sent shockwaves through uh, shockwaves through global markets. You might be wondering why I get a little bit upset at that number 300 billion. Here's why. Two reasons. Number one, I grew up in 2008. My father was in the construction industry. The construction industry disappeared overnight, and that affected my childhood in a very, very serious way. Cryptocurrency is what got me out of it. Invest in yourself. I guarantee you it is the best investment you will ever make. But the second thing that pisses me off about this is the fact that all these different regulators and all these different banks in China are refer are refusing to... Um, uh, to raise the amount of uh, loans and the amount of debt that this company can take on. That's not the problem. The funny thing, however, is the Chinese government and at the same time the U.S. government thinks that they can print money out of thin air and go into more and more and more and more debt. And now there's talks on Capitol Hill of a $1 trillion platinum coin because the U.S. Federal, uh, because the U.S. Congress refuses to raise the debt ceiling. What, is my, what am I talking about here? Here's what I'm talking about. This company has $300 billion in housing debt. If they go bust, the entire Chinese housing market is at risk of, of imploding upon itself. It is a house of cards. The Chinese economy has grown incredibly quickly, and they've done a lot of it through debasing their own currency. Why is Bitcoin so popular in China? Because the Chinese have debased their currency to put themselves in the number two world GDP status that they have right now. This company is a symptom of a deeper problem. However, this symptom might be the thing that leads to the deeper problem becoming the big problem that now we all have to worry about. With this news, we've seen the S&P 500 drop 2%. I can show you that right now on the chart. The SPY over just the last couple of days has dropped quite substantially. Ever since the day before, excuse me, ever since Friday when we stopped trading, the S&P, in fact, we just opened a lot lower than we were when we started planning the stream. We have dropped 3% in three days, which is a very large amount for the S&P. And we've dropped 4.5% in 18 days. If we look at the DJI, Dow Jones Industrial Average, you can see the DJI has crashed quite a bit. We're down 1,500 points, 4% in 17 days. What does this mean for cryptocurrency? I've been talking about a lot of global geopolitical financial things. What does this mean for crypto? Because I know that's what you're interested in. What this means for crypto is twofold. Number one, it means short-term bearishness. Number two, it means stupidly long-term bullishness. Why short-term bearishness? Because cryptocurrency markets are, like it or hate it, pegged to the crypto, uh, pegged to the U.S. stock market. The U.S. stock market has been very much affected by the FUD coming out of China that we might see another Lehman Brothers moment. And frankly, it might not be FUD because it might be right. We're going to follow this story. It is very, very important that we understand what's going on with global financial markets, not just crypto, because they affect crypto. If you want your crypto to be successful, you if you want to be successful with your crypto, you need to make sure you understand what's going on in global financial markets. But the reason that this is very bullish long term is because it shows a massive problem with our system. It shows a huge problem with our system in that this company having $300 billion and lost 85% of, uh, of, its, of its value, it shows that the banking system is broken. It shows that our 
governmental systems where we take out $30 trillion of debt to finance businesses and to finance recovery projects and social welfare programs and giant militaries. It shows that what we are doing as a civilization is inherently flawed and broken. And now we're going to continue to see the impacts of that. We're about to talk about the Federal Reserve easing quantitative easing. That is not necessarily a good thing for the global economy, even though QE in itself is a bad thing for the global economy. There's a lot here. The point is, cut through all the facts, what does it mean? It means that the next month on Bitcoin very well may be pretty bearish. In the same way that we saw in March of last year when the, the oil markets tanked and we saw the stock market tank, Bitcoin tanked. However, what did we see after March of last year? We saw a gigantic rally. Why? Because the people that were scared of the traditional markets and said, you know what? I'm tired of this. I've been dealing with the same crap for the last 30 years. Where are they looking? They're looking to gold? They used to, but now they're looking to the digital gold, which is Bitcoin. Tim, what impact do you think global financial markets in general have on cryptocurrency? How much should we be paying attention to things like the stock market or the Chinese housing market? What, is that, what impact would that have on crypto? It, it has an impact in the sense of anyone who's not educated on what crypto's purpose is, they just see it as another asset. Like There's so many people involved in Bitcoin who do not actually fully understand what it is. They see the value of it. They understand it's like another form of gold. It's another asset that they can use to hedge against inflation. But when they don't actually know the, the, the future benefit of it, it makes them treat it just like everything else. So as long as we continue to have people in the market that treat Bitcoin like just any other asset in the world, even if it's their favorite, we will continue to see the S&P 500 and the stock market as a whole kind of show the direction of where we might go with the crypto market. But it is a, it is a matter of time. It's, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when people wake up, they figure out the Bitcoin, what Bitcoin and what crypto overall is accomplishing that I think we will see it split from the S&P 500. I, will, I think we're actually going to see as the S&P 500 dips, it'll actually send people running into the crypto market. So we're not there yet, but give it, a, give it some time, maybe a couple of years, and we're going to see that education increase and the entire market and how it fluctuates changing. Yeah, it's a little bit like how we talked about um, last week, how... We talked about how AMC is adopting the movie theater chain, $5 billion in revenue. We talked about how they are uh, accepting Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash and Litecoin and Ethereum as payments moving into December of this year. And we talked about how this is not actually a news story for crypto. This is a news story for AMC. What do I mean by that? This is not a good thing for crypto. It's a good thing for AMC. You know, four years ago when I got into cryptocurrency, if a giant movie theater chain that does $5 billion in revenue, the biggest in the nation, had adopted crypto, oh my gosh, crypto would have exploded. Now, however, the tables have turned. Crypto is not the one that stands to benefit from news like that. AMC is because crypto is a hell of a lot bigger than AMC. What do I mean? Where am I going with this? The stock market right now is worth $80 trillion U.S. stock markets. Cryptocurrency is one day going to be so big that Bitcoin is not going to be following the stock market. The stock market is going to be following Bitcoin. Think about that. Think about what the world will look like when decentralized financial instruments like Bitcoin, Ethereum, uh, Cardano, and all the DeFi projects built on top of them will be leading the market. Think about what the world will look like then. We're not going to have to worry about all this crap of federal governments and central governments screwing us over because we're at least going to have some power over the financial system because what's that quote from Hayek, Tim? The exact quote, I'm, I'm, this isn't word for word, but it pretty much is saying that now that we have no more sound money in the world, we have lost. The only hope we have is if we can in some sly about way introduce a solid currency to the government, one that they cannot overturn and without violence, 
we take back the power that way. So it's pretty much, we have to have some sly way of changing the power dynamics through currency, and that's the only way we'll fix it. That's exactly what Bitcoin that, is. And he said that in, I believe it was 1988. Yeah, it's like long before Bitcoin. 87, maybe? I think so. It was in one of his books. Frederick, Frederick Hayek, one of the greatest economists that ever lived, make sure to study him. He said essentially what Tim just said, and that's what Bitcoin is doing. With that said, let's go ahead and look at some things that, are, that the Federal Reserve is doing, because I know you guys are very interested in what uh, Mr. Powell and the rest of the Fed are up to. With Fed officials split over Outlook, Powell seeks to find compromise tapering plan. Here is the quote that I take from this entire article. Economic growth is coming in weaker than forecast. Gee, I wonder why. It's almost like everybody's sitting at home on their butt taking uh, unemployment checks. I know a lot of people doing that. It's sad, but it's true. While inflation is coming in hotter. <laughs> Gee, I wonder why inflation is coming in hotter. It's almost like almost half of the U.S. dollars in existence were printed in the last 18 months. It's almost like the Federal Reserve thought that we weren't going to see inflation when the market had more U.S. dollars put into it. It's almost like the Federal Reserve doesn't know how economics works. Just saying. With the U.S. economic outlook rife with uncertainty, it is no wonder that the Federal Reserve officials are divided about the stance of central bank monetary policy. The central bank's ultra-easy policy stance in place since the pandemic struck the economy in March 2020 looks untenable. <laughs> really? Printing a quarter trillion dollars every month is untenable. How about that? With this spike in inflation this year, the consensus is that it's time to back away from all the stimulus. The Fed has been buying $80 billion of treasuries and $40 billion of mortgage-backed securities each month since last June. That's not going to cause a bubble. To keep long-term interest rates low and bolster demand. It said it would maintain the purchasing until the economy hit a threshold of substantial progress on inflation and the labor market. Since this summer, the Fed has been talking about slowing down and eventually ending these purchases. Officials have tried to stress that this question is divorced from the separate question of when to raise interest rates off the current close to zero level. The federal interest rate is 0.05 or something like that. It was 3% before this started. Although not an exact science, roughly half of the Fed's 18 top officials support tapering sooner rather than later. They think the economy has met the threshold of substantial progress and is now being bedialed by supply bottlenecks, something the Fed's asset purchases can't solve. So, I understand that a lot of what I just said can be kind of complicated. Let me break it down for you. The first thing I need to do is I need to define what quantitative easing is. Quantitative easing is something that national government or federal governments have been using for the last 20 odd years. Essentially, that takes place whenever a government starts printing a bunch of money or buying things like treasuries and uh, mortgage-backed securities. That's another way of doing quantitative easing. It's not necessarily running a printing press. It can be buying these securities with money they made up out of thin air. And then that's a way of injecting money into the economy. Essentially, what you're doing is you're saying, hey, you're broke. What I'm going to do is I'm just going to make more money so that you're not broke anymore. The problem with that is it leads to inflation because, as we know from the price of Bitcoin, the more of something that is in existence, the, least, the less valuable each individual unit is. The way I put this is, let's say you are a woman and you're getting married. You get a diamond ring on your, on your hand. It's worth 30000 bucks, but you don't really care about the money because it's the sentiment. You know, your husband gave it to you. What happens if your husband gives you 10 of them? Would you value each one of those diamond rings as much as the first one? No, because the first one means something. Everyone after that's like, oh, come on. What are you doing? I want some earrings or something, right? I've never been in this situation, but I can only assume. The point here is the, 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 the less common something is, the rarer something is, the more valuable it is. So if you make the US dollar less scarce by printing $10 trillion of it in 18 months, it crashes the price. The problem is the Fed wants to stop that QE. Remember, QE is the way that we inject liquidity or money into the economy. Doing that is very dangerous because the economy has gotten used to that QE. 
the quantitative easing is uh, allowing the cryptocurrency, or excuse me, allowing the uh, U.S. financial markets to continue moving. Here's the problem. If that stops too suddenly, it's like saying, oh, yeah, I'm going to eat 3,000 calories a day. And then all of a sudden, no, I'm going to eat 1,500 calories a day. Your body's going to say, what the hell are you doing, man? I was used to that. That's the problem. So this is causing a lot of FUD in the markets because, frankly, we don't know whether the Fed wants to stop QE or continue QE, what we're doing with the financials. And the cryptocurrency markets and stock markets in general don't like the uncertainty. So, Tim, I want to ask your opinion on this. What is the impact of the uncertainty around the decision to stop or start QE doing to the cryptocurrency markets? I know we know it's affecting the stock market, but how might that be pouring over into crypto? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know that that's what, something that's out of my bandwidth. I'm still learning all these things. I might have an answer on that here in a couple of weeks, because anytime Jeb asks me a question, or I see a question in chat that I don't know the answer to. I'm like, oh, crap, let me go research this. This is one of those things I need to go before I give any type of answer to it. Um, even if I was wrong, I'd at least want to know the context of what I was answering. Yeah. So I, I, I have an answer. Let's hear it, oh, man. No. <clears throat> oh, Lord. This listen, scary. listen, guys, somebody needs to take away their printers. Yes. Right. I'm telling you, they're printing too much. They don't need to take away the I printers. No, no, they do. Take away the printers. They shouldn't have printers. Because I'll tell you what, printing is bad for the uh, world. Well, what I was going to say is they don't need to take away the printer. They need to take away the Office Depot where they go and get printer ink for it. That's what they need to do. And then No, no, because that's an innocent company. They don't need to be shot down. So that's here's that's what needs point. to happen. Take away the printers. The printers are bad. And thank you, everybody. Good deal. Good well, gosh. guys, that's the content for today. Really quickly, I want to read some Super Chats because we got some big ones. Yeah, Very much appreciate all of the support. If you guys haven't already, hit that like button. I know we can get to 2,500 likes here in the next couple of minutes. And if you haven't already, subscribe to the fastest growing analysis channel here in crypto. The reason that we come to you every single day because we want to help you fulfill your purpose. The way you do that is by building financial freedom. And we know that you can do that in cryptocurrency markets. So subscribe if you haven't already. All right, here we go. We got one earlier from Corey Bates saying, send a super chat asking about Evergrande. Is it Evergrande or Evergrande? I'm pretty sure it's Evergrande. Whatever it is. Two weeks ago. Before I get flamed, yes, FSU is in a bear market. <laughs> uh, yeah, they're in a hard. VT still looks nice. May wears the C's hat. And yeah, notice the what? May is the C's, the, the Celtics. Oh, the, well, because today I had to celebrate the win of the Mountaineers. I, I will... I will say really quickly congratulations West Virginia here's the thing you got out Virginia Tech clearly was the better team but West Virginia coaches congratulations you outthought Fuente that's not hard to do a lot these days Oof. Uh, but the players I'm just gonna say those of you who watched that game you cannot fault the players at Virginia Tech they play I was super proud of the players coaches you got to fix that up. That was horrible. Um, you cannot take 12 snaps inside the 10-yard line and get it, zero points from it. That's absolutely stupid. It was definitely a close game. You know, it was – well, at the end, at least, it was close. Um, and, you know, I have to – I would say it was a tough-fought one, but, um, you know, let's go Mountaineers. All right, let's there move on. Let's Gabby move on. TC said, at what point is the price – at what point in the price do we conclude that 100000 in this bull run is not attainable anymore? Yeah, no, when I start seeing retail interest in the cryptocurrency space and institutional investors uh, uh, interest in the cryptocurrency space taper off in a big way, then maybe at that point. But right now, there is still so many people that are retail and institution in the cryptocurrency space that right now, I just really don't see how that's going to occur. I, I just don't see us going into a bear market with this many people still interested in the cryptocurrency space. Let's go ahead and read one more. One more? Okay. Uh the total, or we're going to read more at the end? We're going to read a little more. Okay. I of the Beholder, because we got a, a good amount of good ones. Uh, I of the Beholder said, you can draw the beginnings of a fairly large symmetrical triangle on the daily chart. It looks like Bitcoin can go back to the mid to low 30s. 
yeah, let's go ahead and look at that. The fact of the matter is, guys, Bitcoin has a lot of support levels. Let me show you some of the ones that we don't commonly talk about. This is one of them right here. There is an uptrending level of support right here on Bitcoin. You can see it from these highs back over here in August of 2020, and then these lows right here in November, and then this low right here in around the 20th of July. This is another potential level of support. It's sitting around $35,000. You guys already know that we're looking at the support level of 42.5 from our previous all-time high back in January of this year. Then we also have a high here at 41,300, and then we have the levels I was talking about earlier, 40,000. There's a bunch of support beneath us. The problem is a lot of it's not very strong. As we talked about, the VPVR does not have very much support beneath it at all. It is sitting, uh, we have a giant void of support sitting right beneath us. So there is support beneath Bitcoin. However, the support that is immediately beneath us is not very strong. With that said, I have a question, Tim. Okay. How, how much should we be looking at that strong sell signal on Bitcoin. Let's go back to that really quickly because that's a really big deal. I So the, the problem is, is as you said, the last time we saw a sell signal on the daily chart was was pretty big. I'm, I'm going to pull up my daily chart just yeah, to I have it up right now to reference show them. it. Uh, it was a very big drop, obviously more than 50%, right? Like 50 yeah. something percent. Yeah, like 50% like a, two weeks. Here is the problem. Great. I mean, it's a great argument to say, look at the last time we saw a strong, a strong signal. But, but back up, you know, look at the, the sell signals before that. They were nowhere near as as big as 50%. Sure. Uh, so I, I think before people just freak out and say, oh, the last time we had a strong sell signal, we dropped 50%, we must be about to do it again. Hold on, hold on. Like that's, that's not necessarily true. Uh, the other thing is you always have to also be changing your uh, settings based off what it's telling you. So like, for example, right now, I wanna look at this. It says I need to change it to 38. Let me change 38 because that's the best way to read it. Uh, I'm gonna make sure there's any difference. See, okay, so right now, when I just hit optimal sensitivity to 38, which is telling me this is what I should be doing at the moment, that sell signal just went away. It says 35 on mine. Well, well I don't that's know why weird. we're looking at different ones, because I'm on I'm big, anyway, is, on yours 35, is it, is it still there? Yeah. Yeah, well, see, on, on mine, so I'm looking at uh, Bitfinex, mm -hmm. and I'm looking at like, the, the optimal sensitivity. I just changed it to 38, and again, it made the strong sell signal disappear. Ah, I don't think that I that's see. necessarily... It's two different charts. <laughs> yeah, we're looking at two different charts. Yeah, so I'm, I, you know, I'm not saying that it won't reappear again, because I think that actually happened to me this morning. It like flashed. It went away. It flashed. Mm -hmm. uh, at the end of the day, though, it does not guarantee. It's not like saying, all right, all strong, all strong sell signals are the exact same. They're sure. going to bring the same drop. There's actually lots of time. This is on the daily chart. If you go down to four hourly charts and hourly charts, you'll see that there's a lot of times where we see a strong sell signal and it only drops like five, five, six percent before yeah. it actually you see a strong buy signal flash right after. So this is a, this for me is a wait and see. This is not a doom and gloom. Oh, no, it says strong. Go ahead and liquidate all my Bitcoin yeah, and get I out. Um, I think a good sentiment here would just be say, hey, no matter what, unless something actually catastrophic fundamentally happens, uh, don't sell your investment portfolio. Yeah, completely agree with you. But that said, let's read a couple super chats and we're gonna wrap yeah. it out. Well, hold on, let me get my take real quick. I wanna get some, I wanna see some. Let's hear your take. This is why, and when are you guys gonna start to listen? That this is why Smay is correct of why I say that I don't think we're hitting 100K end of year because I think stuff like this is going to keep happening and going to stunt. I think we're in a turtle market is what I said. The, turtle the, market. We're in a turtle market. It's everything. And what turtle market means. Let me define turtle market for you guys. <laughs> it does, it's not. It, it reinforces either a bear market or a bull, bull bear market. Right. But what a turtle market is, is that it means every movement is going to be slower. 
Okay? Now listen. It makes sense. <laughs> Just listen. It makes sense. And that's why I think we will hit 100K next year, but we're not going to hit it end of year. That's I actually agree with you. I don't think it's going to be this year. This yeah. is the only thing I think that needs to be kind of said on this, is the thirty to 40,000 range. Let's, let's call it about 30... Let's even go 29, 29 to about 42. There's a range there. There's a reason why we just saw a couple of months ago that Wyckoff accumulation phase play out between those two levels. There's something about those levels that the whales and the composite man likes. And as long as we stay within striking distance, they will continue to manipulate the price to get it to those levels because they know that is a good representation of where they can get away with bringing it to the bottom without being crazy and, and then going way too low. As soon as we move, I think when we confidently break through 55 and start pushing back towards all-time highs in the 60s and then we get to the 70s, they will be farther away from that striking distance. It'll be a lot harder for them to get exactly what they want. So at that point, what their strategy is going to be is let's continue to build all this new Bitcoin I've acquired. Let me continue to build its value so that I can sell at the top of something else. And when you look at what's happening with the plan B and the, the stock to flow ratio and everything, I still think we're on track to get those prices, which says by the end of the year, 100,000, that is a great opportunity for the whales to build some wealth, sell up top, they'll come, they'll make the price come back down. It's not saying we're going to get to 100,000 and stay up there, but it means we're going to get there. They're going to take some profits. They're going to come back down so they can buy even more. But I think the key market right now is between, again, 29,000 to 42. Once we confidently get away from that, where we can't easily get there with a good striking distance is when the whales will give up the manipulation to lower the price, then they'll want the price to go high. Because at the end of the day, what's the point of manipululating if they can't make profit? And if it doesn't get to 100,000, they're not going to make a whole lot of profit. Absolutely. They want it to go there. Yes. So if, if we're saying that this is all manipulation and they're decreasing the price, they're also going to increase the price when the time's right for them. Absolutely. Uh, can we read some more Super Chats? Let's read a couple Super Chats. Yep. yep. My computer is being... I confused. know that we have some big ones. Yeah. We have a $300 Super Chat from Rick4962 of Yard dog. Dog dog Landscaping in Knoxville, Tennessee which is where I used to live, actually, when I was five years old. So shout out to Knoxville and all of its inhabitants. Yard Dog, love these guys. Thank you for your dedication to help us all. Thank you very much for the donation and the continued support, my friend. And then we have another big one. We do have another big one. Crypto Vet, a good Crypto friend. Crypto Vet himself says, sorry I've been AFK, but I am back now. Hope you and the crew have been great. We have been fantastic, Vet. Thank you very, very much. I think Greg put his email in chat so you can reach out to us. We'd love to have you on the show, man. By the way, I am not cherry picking the big super chats. They literally are showing up on YouTube. YouTube and I can't see the other ones. Yeah, I, I, so, I got the other ones. I think so, Tim's got the yeah, other we ones. Got some, one, one from Dan the Man, kind of even backing up something we said earlier. He said, if the whales know that we know how the market will move based off of historical trends, wouldn't they look to change the cycle to throw us off the retail investors? Keep up the good work. And that, that goes right along with what I was saying earlier, Jeb, was mm -hmm. that if you don't know your history and they know you don't know your history, mm -hmm. then they'll just keep going. The minute they think the retailers are starting to catch on to the trend is when they change it up, which would mean, and I, I just in case people were wondering, because I saw comments in chat saying, oh, September's are bullish. I haven't seen one green they're September. I, they're all red. Now, they're not all crazy red, but I, I went on the monthly chart and looked back over the last couple of years. Every single September was red. Yep. But the minute retailers catch on to that, that trend will change because he's absolutely right. Whales do not want to be predictable. They want to change it up. The problem is, is as long as they're 
as long as they think that you don't know what's happening, they'll keep doing the same thing. If it's not broke, don't fix it. The minute it breaks, that's when you fix it. They are counting on you not being informed, which is why we are so very adamant about you educating yourselves, guys. Yeah. It is incredibly important that you invest in your own education. By the way, guys, that's why we created the Cryptocurrency Technical Analysis Academy. If you guys want to learn how to do the technical analysis that we're talking about here on this show, if you want to learn how to read these markets, analyze these markets, predict what they're going to do, and make trades for profits, then you guys need to invest in your education. That's why I created the Cryptocurrency Technical Analysis Academy over three years ago now. And I did that so that I could help educate you guys so you could become financially free the same way that cryptocurrency made me financially free. Drop a one in chat if you've gone through CT2A and you love it. All right, a couple more here. Full we got range. Kyle Downey saying the four-hour chart looks like a fractal of the May Wyckoff daily chart. If that's the case, the bottom could be in. It looks identical. What do you it think? It does. It looks very, very yeah. similar, and you're right. If that's the case, then the bottom would be close, probably above 40,000, which, which I still which, think it is. Again, it, it, that plays into what I said earlier. I, it, I could see 40,000. I don't see the 38. I don't see us hitting yeah. what people think the Fibonacci retracement level right. is. I think 42,000 even is a pretty good number to look at. Yeah. Uh, I think 40 to 42, somewhere in there is going to be where we're like going. Maybe, yeah. Like maybe for me, maybe it'll be like a candle body ends at 42 with a wick that touches like 40. That's true. That uh, all right. Vlad Yen said, is everything crashing because of S&P 500? We kind of talked about that. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Uh, Liberty above all said, super chats have been quiet this morning. Let's get them rolling. I agree with you 100%, Jeb. Market's going to crash and crypto will follow. This is only temporary. Crypto will lead us back. Absolutely. I want to make sure while we were reading all these, I didn't miss any that just popped up. I think we're good. Uh, make sure, Jeff, if you see one, let me know. Yeah, I will let you know. All right, last one I see, unless I missed one, I'll go back and look. Nicholas Blackman said inverse head and shoulders on a high time frame. And he's kind of asking, uh, are we forming that? Yes. So... It's hard. The inverse head and shoulders pattern on the high time frame, I see what you're talking about, but for that to happen, first of all, that would take like another year to finish forming, and second of all, we'd go down to like $20,000. Unless I'm seeing something different than you're seeing, maybe I'm not looking at exact. oh, well, maybe you're talking about down here. You might be talking about down here on the daily chart. You said long-term time frame. Right here, there could be an inverse head and shoulders pattern forming like this. What time frame were you looking at? I was looking at the daily chart, but I was looking at the last like nine months. I think he means uh, like the last two weeks. In that case, then yes, this very much could be an inverse head and shoulders pattern, something like this. So we'll keep you, we'll keep an yeah, eye it needs on that. To, it has a little bit more it needs to form. Yeah, it definitely needs to. The head's not done being formed yet, but if but, it bottomed out around 42, like we're saying, then it would. All right, uh, let me see. We have Full one strength. more from Matt C. And he said, if you're an investor in crypto with a long view, then today is a great opportunity. Yes. Buy the red candles, sell the green ones. Don't let the smart money shake your coins out of your pockets. Amen to that. Yeah. Well, guys, that's all we got for you today. We talked about Bitcoin earlier on in the stream. We did all of our technicals on it. I told you where I think we're going to go. You can scrub back in the stream and watch that. We also talked a little bit about September's and the history of how they affect Bitcoin and cryptocurrency markets. And we wrapped out with a segment on the Chinese housing market and Evergrande and the U.S. Federal Reserve. I gave my take on what I think the Federal Reserve is doing, why I think they're doing it, and why I think they're full of it. So if you would like to watch that, then I encourage you to watch about 20 minutes ago. So make sure to scrub back if you haven't seen that already. Also, our marketing director wanted to make sure that you guys know about this. We are, at the end of this month, I think the 29th, having another live webinar Indeed. where we are going to be talking about... Uh, what charts to use for technical analysis? This is actually really good. A lot of people have been asking yep. this question. How do I know which ones to utilize and when to utilize them? And how, you know, so yep. if you guys are interested, make sure you sign up. I know if it's not there already, this link is, is in the description. It's in the description. All right, there's a link in the description to go sign up for that webinar. Again, yep. it's the 29th, so it's here in nine days. You don't yep. want to miss and it. And for our webinar, masters, oh, sorry. In that webinar, I'm going to be talking about should you use the one hour, the four hour? 
the daily chart. I'm also going to be talking about should you use the logarithm chart? Should you use the linear chart? I'm also going to be talking about should you use the candlestick chart? Should you use the Heikinashi candlestick chart? We're going to answer all of those questions that have to do with how you should set your chart up in that webinar. We're going to have a lot of fun there. We're going to answer a lot of questions. We're going to build some community. It's going to be a great time. The first webinar we did, we actually found somebody who is working with us now, Kelly, who helps us to do all of our research. He's not here right now because he's skydiving with his wife. Shout out to Kelly, who is helping to build our research. So make sure you check that out. Links in the description. Final thoughts before we wrap it out. Uh, yeah, what I was going to say was uh, if you are a uh, Jedi master or grandmaster, you guys will be getting a uh, credit for the webinar. So. Boom sauce. There you go, guys. Well, that's all I got for you today. If you haven't already, make sure to smash that like button. Subscribe to the fastest growing crypto analysis channel on YouTube. And make sure to follow us on our socials. You can find the links for those down below. It's at Crypto Jeb on most platforms. Before I go, though, guys, I do just first want to thank each and every single last one of you for watching, as always. And I will see you guys in the next video. Peace.